Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back in 2014, this hashtag began trending on Twitter. Well, it started out as a joke, but the hashtag End Father's Day is picking up steam with feminists online and with others in social media. End Father's Day. The idea was Father's Day celebrates the patriarchy. So screw it. Fathers are useless. Hashtag oh, come on. Oh, come on. Father's Day. Oh, come on. Just useless? more of this nasty feminist rhetoric that they're not just like interested in ending Father's Day. They're interested in ending men. That's really what they want. It's I remember someone bringing it up and being like, remember in Father's Day? And I was like, what? Is that? <laughs> Who would want that? Yeah. This makes no sense. Rachel Hampton is a writer here at Slate. So can you read to me a few of the tweets that went out using the end Father's Day hashtag? Yeah. So one says, Father's Day is the glorification of the patriarchy and the systematic oppression of women and children. Another says, women aren't rapists, murderers, and child abusers. Men are. Um... One says, in Father's Day, because masculinity is what causes abuse and is nothing to celebrate. In Father's Day, because 100% of child abuse is from men, typically white men, we need hashtag single mothers. Who are the people who are theoretically tweeting this stuff out? So most of them are women of color, and then a lot of them are Black women. And a few of them are white women, but most of the people who are tweeting this out are Black women um, with names like Sharmika Martin or um, handles like Cis Hate, um, names like Nene Thompson, uh, Latrine Watts. So names that on first glance read as Black. And Rachel's Black. The fact that Black women's voices were leading this conversation, it stood out to her. It stood out to other people, too. I think anyone who actually is familiar with feminism or Black feminism looks at these tweets and is like, I don't know anybody who believes anything like this. This makes no sense. Yeah. And yet it took off. It did. Rachel spent the last few months working as a kind of internet archaeologist, digging into the past to piece together the story of where End Father's Day came from. And what happened when a group of Black women banded together and tried to fight it? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
One of the first people to notice something was up with this call to end Father's Day was a woman named Shafika Hudson. She stumbled on the hashtag basically by accident. Shafika was, she's a writer, and like most writers, she is on Twitter because that is how we get jobs. She was just kind of messing around and was on Twitter and saw her friends reacting to the end Father's Day hashtag. Negatively. Yeah, they were just like, who are all these Black women tweeting under this hashtag? I've never seen them before. This makes no sense. And so she was like, I have to see what's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) And so she's Googling and the syntax for a lot of these tweets is off. It sort of parrots Mm -hmm. black vernacular, but black vernacular as a white person might imagine it. Exactly. It's like when your white friend starts rapping. Oh, no. Exactly. Exactly. And so you're like, this is terrible, but it's just off enough that you're like, there's obviously something wrong here. It's like the uncanny valley. Exactly. Exactly. You look at it and you're like, why are you talking like this? And so she was like, these cannot be real Black women. And the thing is, a lot of these women had bios that were like intersectional feminists, like et cetera, et cetera. And they were kind of trying to enter into the same circles that Shafiq was a part of, this online Black feminist circles. And the thing is, even though they don't all know each other, like they know someone who knows them. And so it's very obvious when someone is not a part of that group. Because they don't have a friend of a friend that you're connected to. And you're like, hold it. You would have a friend of a friend. Exactly. It's just like, if you're talking like this, if you're trying to enter into these circles, like you would know X or like you would have been live tweeting scandal. Like their profiles were so clearly just either screeds against white people or they were contemptuous portrayals of blackness where they were just like, going to pick up my welfare check. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So she wanted to find some way to tag these accounts as fake accounts. Mm -hmm. How'd you do it? So she comes up with this hashtag, your slip is showing. Which is this phrase that's kind of rooted in Black Southern vernacular. And it basically means that something like a slip that is supposed to be hidden is now on display for everyone to see. It's kind of along the same lines of like, bless your heart, like you're really trying, but you're not succeeding. It's like kind of like a very sweet Southern dig, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it's something that you wouldn't really necessarily understand unless you are part of this community. So she created this hashtag, but then it wasn't just about creating a hashtag. It was then she went to her followers and said, here's how to use it. Yeah. So they tag it on individual accounts. So they would say, this count is fake. Your slip is showing. And they tweet that out. And then they would encourage their followers to click on the hashtag your slip is showing, look through the list of fake accounts, cross check those fake accounts with their followers to see if they were following them, basically, and then block these accounts and mass report them to Twitter. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's like mobilizing an army. Yeah, 100 percent. And it was all on a volunteer basis. Shafika, she started this hashtag and was like, hey, guys, maybe we should use this. Maybe this is what we can do. And her followers just volunteered to tag accounts. They noticed who looked fake and they were like, all right, your slip is showing. And within two or so days, they had tagged 200 fake accounts. And it was just a group of black women and their allies mobilizing. One of those Black women who mobilized to join the Your Slip is Showing counter-movement was Inasa Crockett. Inasa lived miles away from Shafika, but Twitter overcame that distance. 
So Anasa and Shafika have been following each other since 2010, 2011. And they haven't met in person. They hadn't met in person at that point either. They're part of the same online community where they follow a lot of the same mutual people. Like they had interacted online. Anasa noticed the same strange stuff that tipped Shafika off to the fakeness of the end Father's Day accounts. Their weird syntax, the stereotypical usernames, the anti-Black sentiments. She wanted to get to the bottom of the hoax. Turned out Inasa was pretty perfectly positioned to do that digging. She had just come out of a PhD program in history. She was very interested in like archival research. And so she's a researcher. Yeah, yeah. So she is very much like this feels too coordinated to be just some one-off thing. Because on her years on Tumblr, she knew that if she was facing like a wave of harassment or something, that she could usually tie it back to specific forums, 4chan being one of them. So she had experienced harassment before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so at that point, she had kind of knew the way these things moved online. She knew that like... It felt familiar to her. Yeah, basically. Anasa's own personal experience with harassment, combined with her PhD-level research skills, meant she knew enough to work backwards. And so she Googles your slip is showing, and it took her to 4chan, where... The people who had started in Father's Day had noticed this hashtag outing them. And so by Googling your slip is showing, she was taken back to the original 4chan thread that started in Father's Day. And what did she find there? Like, who were these people and what did they want to do? Um, a bunch of sexist and racist people. <laughs> um, they, Let's just say it. Let's just be real. Yeah. Yeah. They were they were basically just trying to drive a wedge between black feminists and white feminists, because at this point in 2014, the online feminist movement is gaining a lot of steam online. People are starting to become more, quote, unquote, woke <laughs> about gender based oppression. And at the same time, within these online communities, race is not being discussed as a valence through which, like, oppression can move, like, the way race and gender intersect. Like, a lot of white feminists were basically like, we'll deal with that later. Like, right now we're talking about gender. And so these 4chan participants had noticed these frissures in the online feminism movement and were basically trying to capitalize on that by having the accounts that they were using tweeting this like radical nonsense be black women so that white feminists would look at them and be like, well, they may have said something kind of true about racism two weeks ago, but they're trying to end Father's Day. What's wrong with them? Like, we don't need to listen to them. So literally she found a bunch of people in an online forum thinking about how do we make these people fight, mm-hmm. basically? How do we make people distrust each other, dismiss each other? And they come up with this idea, which is, hey, what about end Father's Day? Wouldn't that be funny? And so in some ways, it's kind of a joke. But then it also becomes very serious for the people who are seeing themselves misrepresented. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's kind of one of the trademarks of 4chan is that there's this kind of ironic detachment where they're saying, I don't really have like a political view. I just want to fuck as many things up as possible. But 2014 is a year when the kind of animus on 4chan moves from just being like troll for troll sake to specifically targeting like feminists and people of color and Jewish people and trans people. Like it starts crystallizing into this political ideology around 2014. 
It's interesting because this 4chan group you're talking about, it just sounds deeply familiar now, five years later. Like at the time, I don't know that I ever would have thought about what's going on in an internet chat room I have nothing to do with and how it would impact my life. But of course, now we see this kind of trolling everywhere, whether we're looking at the 2016 election and we're looking at how Russian operatives are picking up on this, whether we're looking at someone like the shooter in Christchurch who live streamed what he did. So at this point, we've seen a ton more schemes like this that have materialized on online chat groups. But it seems like this was one of the first. I wonder why you think it is that black women were some of the first people to pick up on this kind of trolling and sort of see it for what it was. I think a huge part of it is that people who want to do harm to other people know who they can target without people paying attention, like the larger world paying attention. And one of their first targets being Black women makes sense because we're, the mainstream media is just now hearing about this four to five years later. I think people go out of their way to not listen to or follow Black women. And it's weird. Hmm. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, this story isn't necessarily something that was extremely hard to find. Like, I followed all of these Black women since... 2015-ish, and they've talked about it consistently since then, especially when um, trolling became a big deal around Donald Trump, especially when reports started coming out of the Senate that Russia was specifically trying to imitate Black people so that they could convince Black voters not to vote in the 2016 election. A lot of the tactics that we saw in the 2016 election that were confirmed in later Senate reports were basically honed in 2014 when they were targeted against Black women. And Hudson and Crockett and a lot of the women I interviewed have consistently talked about this hashtag. Like, it's not something that's necessarily secret or online. The fact that it hasn't been covered that much by mainstream media is very much just a reflection of who mainstream media is following. Hmm. And who they're taking seriously. Exactly. You have to be in a privileged position to take overt racism unseriously. Because if your body is one that could be under attack from racist violence, you're never going to take hate speech as a joke. I think that Black women didn't have the privilege to be like, trolling is just trolling. How did Twitter respond when they came to them and said, hey, here are these fake accounts that are tweeting noxious stuff? Well, they really did not do much. There are still some of the accounts that these women reported that are still up. Twitter just wasn't doing anything about it. And I think that's very much the response that most of these women faced when they were hashtagging this account under your slip is showing. Like more than anything, your slip is showing was not for Twitter or for other people, because at that point they knew they weren't going to be taken seriously. It was more so that other Black women could look through the hashtag and see if these accounts are following them and block them and basically protect themselves. So it's Black women helping Black women. Yeah. Something else that stood out to me from your reporting, you know, we talk a lot about how big tech is bad, like Facebook is bad, Twitter is bad. But... This movement of black women on social media, Shanika Hudson, Inasa Crockett, they came together to combat this Twitter trolling on Twitter. 
so it's really clear that it's it's not the tool. It's how you use it. And these black women were using Twitter to protect each other and build community. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing that Crockett said to me was that it's not Twitter that's important. It's the community. And that if we change platforms, I would follow the community. And they've done that multiple times. Like they've moved from LiveJournal to Black Planet to Facebook to Twitter to Tumblr, like et cetera, et cetera. And so... So they skip around mm-hmm. looking for a platform that actually supports their values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that, I mean, that's the thing. If another platform similar to Twitter with better policies on harassment comes up, they will 100% leave. And these are women with hundreds of thousands of followers. Like, Black culture drives a lot of Twitter. The concept of live tweeting shows started when Black Twitter started live tweeting scandal. I think that if another platform comes up that actually decides to take things like this seriously, Twitter will lose a lot of its power users. And that's one of the big reasons why they should be taking this more seriously. Rachel, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me on. Rachel Hampton is a writer here at Slate. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by the amazing Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. If you want to find me in my off hours when I'm not hanging out in front of a microphone, try me on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. All right, talk to you later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.